Well, I am so grateful to be with you all tonight. Um, I, uh, I want to talk to you about something tonight that is, is pretty important to me. Um, and I, I know that it was announced I'm talking about spiritual friendship, and I, I sort of am. But I'm talking about this in the context, or, or kind of, a, I'm talking about biblical friendship um, as a part of kind of this broader discussion that I'm, that I'm very passionate about. And I feel like uh, it hasn't been talked about enough or rightly. It's confusing. It's awkward. And, and, and I know it's Valentine's Day, and I know it's cliche, but I want to talk about dating. And, and I want to talk about it um, from a biblical perspective, but I kind of just want to talk about it, you know, as a little bit of as an older brother tonight. You know, I, I, I um, you know, Thomas mentioned I preached at uh, Southern's Chapel today. That was a very, like, super sermony sermon. Um, this is really just more like an older brother. It's more pastoral. I just kind of want to talk to you all about this because it's awkward and it's weird. Um, in fact, today I was, I was just in Louisville my last semester at seminary, um, I dated this girl. Her name was Becca. And we were very serious. I mean, it, was, it got very serious. And then it didn't work out. And it was very difficult. And I actually, just today, I drove by her old neighborhood on the way to the airport. And she just came to mind. I was like, man, that, you know, I'm sure she and I are fine. <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time ago. But I was just thinking about how, you know, and it, it, it's kind of awkward. I mean, it's, it's like, here's my sister and the Lord. You know, we're both pursuing God. We, we care about each other as brothers and sisters. And yet, you know, uh, dating relationships that doesn't work out creates this very strange deal. And I think we kind of made a mess of this whole thing. I mean, there's been, there, there hasn't, there's not a lot of great resources out there on Christian dating. You know, when I was a kid, or not a kid, like in high school and college, the, the book that everybody was reading, you know, nobody knew who Tim Keller was back in those days, you know, but nobody knew who John Piper was, but everybody knew who Joshua Harris was. And Joshua Harris had, who now is, I mean, here's how much of a mess this is. The whole experience of him kind of reevaluating his own thoughts on Christian dating has led him away from the faith. And he's no longer walking with the Lord so far as we can tell. So this is, a, this is a very serious thing. He wrote this book, I Kiss Dating, Goodbye. And again, I think it was incredibly well-intentioned. In fact, little-known Christ Covenant trivia fact, our very own Jordan and Tally Coughlin were, were married in Joshua Harris's church and didn't date. I mean, you know, Tally will tell the story. You should ask her. They were like going to be engaged, and she didn't even know if they were dating or not. I mean, they weren't dating. So I think we've kind of rejected that is weird. The Coughlins obviously have a lovely marriage, but, and we've rejected a lot of the kind of purity culture that went around it. it was, again, it was all well-intentioned, but how do we think about this? One of the reasons that we've struggled with this one is there's not like, you know, we can't like say, okay, well, Christian dating, let's study, you know. Romans chapter four. I mean, that's the chapter on dating. There's not like a dating chapter. You know, you, you kind of have to do theology, and that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to kind of put a lot of things that we see in Scripture together, but it's not like, you know, 
the first stage should be like this. The second stage should be like this. You have to do a little work to figure this out. Um, you have to do um, some theology here. And so that's kind of what I want to do tonight. Um, how, does, how does the Bible speak to this? Now, the text that we chose obviously speaks about the nature of relationships that we have in the Lord that are familial. And I want to get to that. But I want to give you first a, just a couple of principles. So I think, do we have the white? Oh, yeah, we good. Perfect. Um, okay, so the first thing, if you're, if you're going to date, all right, is remember who you are in Christ. Like, this is where it begins. Um, in 1 Corinthians 6, you've been bought with a price. You're the Lord's. You know, I was talking with a friend of mine um, not long ago, a friend I grew up with, and, and, and she is a, like an old, old family friend, and she made a lot of mistakes in dating, and fortunately now she's happily married. But, you know, I said, what, what did you learn in that? And she says, you know, I just, I didn't really have my identity in the Lord. My identity was in the, the relationship. And, and so I was so longing. And she, this particular friend, her father was very um, strict. He was very hard to get his approval. And so she sought approval in other men. That was her identity. Rather than finding her identity in the Lord, rather than realizing that she had been bought with a price, rather than realizing that she was the Lord's. And so if you're going to date, you know, I just, I just encourage you. I don't know where everybody is here spiritually, but, you know, the good news of the gospel is that you can find life in God, that you can know God, and that in, in, in God, through a relationship, you're in a relationship with God through Christ, you have something of enormous worth, <laughs> of enormous value. There, there's nothing in the world that can compare to that, to knowing God in Christ Jesus. And if you know God in Christ, and if you were loved by God through Christ, then you're loved by God. And that is great worth. You have been bought with a price. And the price that you have been bought by, the, the, the price of redemption, the price of redemption of your soul was the very blood of Jesus. Just think about that. And so in Jesus, you have this enormous worth, a worth, and I'm going to tell you this, that no man or no woman could ever give you. Your soul can never be satisfied in some sort of a dating relationship. So, so remember who you are in Jesus, how much worth you have in Christ. You know, the Christian life, uh, this is a Dallas Willard quote that I think is so helpful. It's to live your life as Jesus would live it, who are you? That's a great place to begin here, to live your life as Jesus would live it if he were you. If your life is in Christ, if your identity is in Christ, if you're an ambassador for Christ, then live your life as Jesus would live it if he were you. So then how would Jesus date, right? And that's where I think we, we got to do some work. And that's where our text becomes really, really helpful. The nature of covenant relationship. I, I want, you guys have to get this, and, and if you've been around Christ's covenant, some of y'all have heard me talk about this. But it's the difference between covenant relationship and marketplace relationship. So marketplace relationship, a lot of your relationships are marketplace relationships, right? They're based on an exchange. And the best, place, the best way to think about it is an actual marketplace relationship. But, you know, I've talked before. I'll use the same example. I've talked before about my shoe repair guy. I got a great shoe repair guy. If you, if you need a shoe repair guy, you got to go to Benny's. There's other shoe repair guys in Atlanta, but you got to go to Benny's, Okay. Now, Benny's, now, if you need, you know, your shoes resold or your leather repaired or even just a good polishing, they'll, they'll do the best in town. Now, here's the thing about my relationship with Benny. Benny 
expects money from me when I take my shoes in for repair. And I expect from Benny that he'll actually repair my shoes and repair them better than any other shoe repair guy. See, it's a marketplace relationship. It's based on an exchange. I give him money, he gives me better shoes, right? That is a marketplace relationships. And a, and a lot of your relationships are like this. And dating, by its very nature, you know, it, it used to be easier. I, I uh, you know, as a, when I was a young person, before I was married, I was a big advocate of dating. Now, as a father, I'm a big advocate of arranged marriages, you know. <laughs> and, and I actually think there's some sense to that. I mean, we're, we're, you know, I mean, if you think about it, you have this like hormone crazed young person trying to find a mate for themselves versus this like wiser, older person that's actually been married to another person for a long time that, that probably has the best interest. There, there is something to, don't look down on the arranged marriage culture. It's, it's actually pretty smart, but I, I'm not advocating that we like go to that. We, we live in a dating culture, but I'm trying to get you to understand that this dating culture that we live in is a marketplace thing. And then sometimes it's, it's sometimes it's even a good marketplace thing. So it's not just, you know, this person is hot or this person is super cool. Like, it's not just those kinds of things. Sometimes like the, the best character, I mean, we, we, you, you want a good deal. Like you want somebody that has good character, that's kind, that is smart, that's handsome, right? That is the world of dating that we live in. It, it is based on, in a sense, getting a, a good deal, getting an exchange. Now, the problem with that is that marriage, by definition, is a covenantal relationship. Dating is marketplace. Marriage, by definition, is covenantal. And these two are very different. Covenant and marketplace, they're very, very different. So covenant, again, I think that we, we, we are so kind of skewed by the dating relationship that we don't understand covenant. But the easiest place for people to understand covenant is with their children, right? If, you know, my kids play basketball. And, um, you know, John Kellis, my middle son, if he did not score the most points on his team, or if he didn't, you know, make the best grade in his class, I don't say, I'm gonna get a new son, you know. John Kellis is no good. I don't wanna be seen with him. I want to be seen with the boy that scored the most points on the team and the boy that makes the smartest, the best grades in his class, right? That's marketplace, right? But, but I talk about my son that way and you're, you think to yourself, you wicked and evil human being. Yet, in dating, that's like, well, yeah, you can do better than her. You can do better than him. And see, that's what makes this so weird is because you're, you're going from a marketplace thing and then you enter into a covenant and a covenant, a marketplace based on an exchange, but a covenant says, you're my wife because you're my wife. You're my husband because you're my husband. You're my son because you're my son. You're my daughter because you are my daughter for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, uh, to cleave unto thee, to be joined to thee, to be covenanted with thee, and thee only as long as we both shall live. That is the covenant of marriage. So we're in this kind of awkward situation where we're trying to get to the covenant of marriage through the marketplace of dating. And, and the problem is, is a lot of people never like switch out of dating marketplace mentality. So a lot of the divorce counsel I see 
Gabby Priolo here, her dad does our biblical counseling center. I'm sure he would say the same thing. A lot of the counseling I do with somebody says they want to, I want to get a divorce. I want to get a divorce. Okay, you know, what's, what's going on? And they always say something like this. Well, he just didn't hold up his end of the bargain. What's interesting about that? People say this all the time. They're using marketplace relation. They're using marketplace language. They've never switched out of this kind of marketplace. I'm supposed to get a good deal for myself here. I'm not getting out of the marriage what I'm putting into the marriage. All of that is marketplace mentality. And we live in this weird world. Again, I'm not advocating that we go away from a dating system. But I am saying that this is, you need to understand this. You're trying to get to this covenant of marriage. You're my wife because you're my wife. For better or for worse, for rich or for poor, I'm going to cleave unto you and you only, whether or not you're putting in as much as I am or not. That's the covenant as long as we both shall live. But we've got to kind of get through this marketplace of dating. How do we do this? How do we do this safely? I mean, this seems so dangerous. Making this cross seems so terrifying and dangerous, if you think about it. I wanted to draw a picture of like a dangerous sea, but I didn't know if I could do that. But, you know, here's some waves. So, um, so how do we do that? Well, the, the answer is, the way that you can do this is if you're already in a covenant. I want you to think about this. So again, this is why the arranged marriage system kind of works, because you're in a covenant with your parents, right? You're under that relationship, you're under that heading, and you go immediately from that heading into covenant of marriage, right? You leave your father and mother and you cleave into your wife. The, the biblical language there has this kind of like immediate, I'm in the household of my father, I'm in the household of my husband, I'm in the household of my parents, I'm in the household with my wife. It's this immediate crossover. We live in this age where there's this dangerous sea in the middle, and the only way to really get through that sea safely is if you're already in a covenant. And, and that's why the text is really helpful. We, you are in a covenant. You're already in a covenant um, with anybody that you might potentially, that you should might potentially marry. And, and what that covenant is, is the covenant of the body of Christ. The bond of the brotherhood and sisterhood that we have been called to in Jesus now, that implies that you're only dating Christians, right? So that, that implies that. Now, the Bible doesn't have like an explicit chapter and verse, a lot of super explicit dating things, but it, does, it is pretty explicit about this. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what, part, uh, what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light and darkness? What accord has Christ and Belial? This is an, another God. So somebody who's given themselves to another God. Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. So this gets back to the point number one. You've been bought with a Christ. You've, you've been bought with a price. You've been called to be the people of God. I don't know if you were here on Sunday, but I just said the theme of the whole Bible is that God is calling a people to himself. And so if you're in that people, you're covenanted with all of those who are in that people with you. There's a sense of family. There's fathers, there's mothers, there's brothers, there's sisters. You're, in a sense, if you're, if you're dating a Christian woman or you're dating a Christian man, 
even though it's dating, you're actually already in a covenant with her. It's not the covenant of marriage or him. It's the covenant of the people of the body of Christ. And that's actually incredibly helpful if you think about it that way. If, if you see the person you're dating, now again, I, I don't know who everybody is here, so there may be some unbelievers here, and I'm, if you're here, I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad you're kind of understanding how we are trying to think about this biblically. I'm trying to help us think through this biblically. But, but if, if we see each other that way, first, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, that, that's incredibly helpful in terms of maneuvering this dating relationship into the covenant of marriage. In, in a sense, and this is the picture I was going to draw here, if this is the covenant of the body of Christ, you're maneuvering a much safer sea into the covenant of marriage. You're, you're maneuvering this sea where, where these are all fellow citizens, fellow heirs of Christ with you, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And that makes this journey so much Safer. So we've talked about who you are in Christ. We've talked about the nature of the covenant. I want to talk more about the nature of this brother and sister relationship. And again, this is kind of unnatural for us. I'm going to, I'm going to go and just shoot straight with you. Before you're married, it's kind of hard. <laughs> it's easier for me now. It's easier as a married person. So, I mean, I want to be honest with you. Like, it is really easy for me to look at the women here as my sisters in the Lord and with like love and compassion for you because you're my younger sisters in Christ and I care about you and I, and I wanna be a good brother to you and I wanna see about your holiness and, and I, I love you in and, 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 and a brotherly sense. It's very easy for me because I'm a married man. But when I was single going to Bible studies like this, I'll be honest, I was thinking, oh man, she's kind of pretty. Maybe I could date her, you know. It, it was hard for my first thought to be sister in Christ who I love and I wanna pursue her holiness. And so I, I, wanna, I wanna be sympathetic to where you are because I understand that, I understand that it's subconscious. It's not like you like said that out loud, but subconsciously you're like, oh, she's kind of cute. Maybe I can, because you you're, you want to get married. You're looking for a spouse. So I understand, I understand that. But but what I'm trying to do is actually flip what's going on in your head. <laughs> if we could, before we think about marriage, before we think about making the covenant of marriage, before we think about dating, before we think about any of that, just realize we're actually in a really amazing covenant with one another. You know, just to look at the gal or the guy next to you and say, man, this is my brother in Christ. I'm going to be with this person for all of eternity. This is someone that God is calling to himself to be a people of his own possession. This is somebody that we're going to delight in the holiness and the wonder of God with forever. Before these, the, the men that are in here, ladies, before they're anything else, they're your brothers in Christ. Before they're hot, before they're good looking, before they make a lot of money, they're your brother in the Lord. Men, these ladies in here, before they're anything else to you, they're your sister in the Lord. And, and if we are this kind of family, these people that God is calling to himself, we should desire one another's holiness. We should be stirring one another along. As we talked about Sunday, Hebrews 10, we should be stirring one another along toward love and good works. This should be the normal meter of our life. And I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. this what I'm going to say is pretty profound. The covenant that we have with one another, we're here tonight, and the covenant I have with you in Christ, and you have with me in Christ, will actually last longer than the marriage covenant that I have with Paige. The Bible actually says that in, in heaven, in the New Jerusalem, there, there is no marriage. <laughs> but I'll still be your brother in the Lord. And Paige will be my sister in the Lord. 
But that, that covenant, that brother-sister relationship is actually eternal. It goes on and on and on forever. And so how you treat one another in dating and just as friends really matters. What you do in these dating relationships really matters, guys. In a secular world, it says take, 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 take. Take, 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 take. It's marketplace, right? What do you do in the market? What do you do in the marketplace? You get as much as you can for as little money as you can. Is that right? Isn't that right? What do you brag about in the marketplace? You say, man, you're not going to believe. I got all this for $10 or whatever. And, and that's the way that the world says to you, this is how you should treat women. This is how you should treat men. But a covenant, a brother, sister says, no, give, give, give. This is your brother. Give to them. Love them. Pursue their holiness. You know, when we moved to Atlanta, I didn't know this. This happened accidentally, totally accidentally. We moved in Atlanta. We bought a house. It was the only house we could afford. And it came, one moved in right after we moved in. But within like the first six months, three of my ex-girlfriends were living basically in the same neighborhood. As I, and all of these gals I had totally lost touch with. And I didn't know where they lived. And then they realized, oh my gosh, they all live in my same neighborhood. And I'm so grateful, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying this in any sort of like, hopefully, you don't hear any self-centeredness. This is only God's grace and a lot of accountability. And, but, but, you know, we didn't have, I didn't have perfect relationships with these ladies, but I had hopefully directionally God-honoring relationships with them. And, you know, they're friends, and their husbands are our friends. In fact, they've all come to church here. Two of them are members now. One was, but moved away. Not because it was weird that we were ex-girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. One of Paige's ex-boyfriends is a member of our church here. And again, it's not weird between me and him. He's an awesome guy. I really like him. I'm, I kind of look at him and I'm like, man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> she she could have done better, you know? <laughs> the point I'm trying to make here this is a strong covenant as brothers and sisters. How you treat one another really matters. You want to be able to 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now be, love one another and be friends with one another and not have a bunch of shame or bitterness between one another. That will revolutionize your dating relationship. So we've looked at the nature of brothers and sisters and then now the nature of marketplace. And I, I, I got into this a, a little bit. But, but as you have this mentality, you know, in dating, I understand, you know, even in, in, in any dating culture, so I want to be careful here. Of course you want to present yourself well. You know, of course you want someone you're attracted to. Of course you want somebody who has the qualities that you want. I mean, yes, of course I get all of those things. Of course you want to have, be someone that you find interesting. But if you understand that person as a brother or sister in the Lord first, it lessens the pressure of all that. The marketplace says, get the best trophy you can get for you, for you, for you. And, and in that situation, in that marketplace mentality, dating or marriage or whatever becomes an idol. Now, I'm not saying marry the first person you go out with. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, don't let the marketplace get to you. You go into the marketplace again, as I said, to get the best deal for the least amount of money. The marketplace is all about getting the most for the least, but covenant is all about giving without expecting anything in return. So we live in a dating world. 
Again, we're not, we're not going to go back to the arranged marriages world. But just remember that, that you're doing this within the context of the brother-sister relationship, of the brother-sister covenant that really, really matters. Okay, and I want to be really practical. This is where the older brother comes in. I, this section, I don't know whether it's biblical or not, okay? But this is just me as a guy saying, let me give you some tips, okay? So a couple thoughts if you're going to date. First, go ask an older brother or sister, right? Go, go say, hey, do you, do you think I should ask her out? Do you think I should ask him out? Do this, okay? Please, just do this. It'll, it'll save you a lot of heartache, and it'll save us as elders a lot of heartache. There, there have been at least two marriages in this church that the, 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 the couple got married, like, secretly in a rush without telling anybody, really, and they've both ended, Okay. And if, any, if, if in any of those situations they would have come to their elder or some older brother or sister said, does this seem wise? Should I do this? Everybody would have been like, no. But they, you know, escaped. They went underground. They did this foolish thing. So look, let's be wise about this. Before, when you're considering dating someone, you know, go ask an older brother or sister. Now, now ladies, you know, I'm not saying if a guy asks you out that you're kind of interested in, you need to be like, well, let me go ask my elder first, you know. But, you know, in the, as the relationship progresses, just say, you know, I, I've gone on a couple of dates with Tony, you know, and what do you think about him? Is, that a, is, is he the kind of man that I should be with? Get the advice of an older or brother, sister. Take advantage of the body that you're in. Number two, initiating the relationship. How should the relationship begin? Now, call me old school here. But I think men should ask women out, either in person or on an actual phone call. So a few thoughts here. Men are called to lead the relationship. Men are called to be the spiritual heads of the home. Now, again, that's, that's within the covenant of marriage. But, but men should start exhibiting that kind of behavior in a dating relationship. And, and when a man asks a woman out in person or over the phone, it shows a sense of courage. And I would just say that to you ladies. Like, you want a guy that has a little courage. It's easier, you know, I know it, I know for the, for the guys, if you're asking a girl out, it's easier to get rejected over text message than it is face-to-face. But it certainly shows more courage to ask face-to-face. And, and I would just say this, if you get rejected face-to-face, that's okay, you know? Don't be mean. The, the girl has done nothing wrong for saying that she just wants to be your friend. That's totally fine. And you've done nothing wrong for asking her out. That's not, that shouldn't be weird, you know? It, it's very normal, actually, that men and women would want to go out with each other or not necessarily be attracted to one another. Um, third, on the date. Men, again, if you're taking a girl on a date, show up with a plan. Uh, don't show up and be like, hey, what do, you, what do you want to do? No, come with, a, come with a plan. And I would just say this, if you can't lead a date, you can't lead a family, Okay. So, come with a plan, okay? Again, I don't know if any of this is actually biblical, but this is just, this is just brother, this is just bro to bro, man. The other stuff was, we were doing theology before. Now I'm just like talking as your brother here. All right, this is the most important one. This, you can do, you can, if, if you'll obey number D here, you can do whatever you want in dating. But always return your date um, home, should say, more holy than when you pick them up. 
Always take your date home more holy than they were when you started the date. That should be your goal in dating. That's, that is your goal in dating. If, if, you're, if that's your goal, then you understand this brother-sister thing that I'm talking about. You, you understand that covenant, that I want this person to be edified on this date. If your goal is, I want to get something out of this date, that's a marketplace. That's how you know. Is this a marketplace, or am I really understanding the brother-sister covenant here? Do I actually care that they go home more in love with the Lord than they were when, when I picked them up? Now, that doesn't mean that every date you have to, like, go to a, you know, Christian concert, you know. But is just the meter of you being together, are you seeking... I mean, that's how I, that's all my interactions, right? I mean, that, I, want every, I want every one of my interactions to be that way. I want to, my friends, my buddies, my parents, my, you know, I want my younger sisters in the Lord, my older sisters, I mean, everybody. I just want to, I want, you know, we're going to edify, we're going to stir one another along. So always return your date more holy than they were when you picked them up. This is, that's the most important thing that I've got for you tonight. And, and, and I would say too, you know, especially for you men, the call of the husband in marriage is to wash his wife with the water of the word, to, to, sanct- to be out sanctification for his wife. And I would just say to you, ladies, if this man <laughs> is not bringing about sanctification in you in dating, they're not going to bring, you know, there, there's no like transformation at the altar, right? They're, they're going to be who they are when you're married to them, and probably worse, <laughs> Then when you're dating them, if they're not bringing about sanctification in you, in dating, they're not just going to start doing that when they get married. All right, number five. Again, this is super practical. Or number E, stay in public places. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying you have to group date here. I'm not saying that at all. You can go on individual dates. What I am saying is, just this is just super practical, and this is not the talk on sexual purity. That's another night. But... If you want to pursue holiness with one another, being all alone in a locked apartment is not the place to do that, okay? Or a locked house. And I'm not saying you can't have any one-on-one time, but, but go to public places, go to restaurants, go to coffee shops. Or if you do want to go to a house and watch a movie, just make sure a roommate's there. Um, just be wise about it. And, and, I, and I know that sounds very prudish, but I'm talking about we're the people of God called to live for his glory and delight. And I just don't want you to exchange that calling for like an awesome makeout sesh, you know. So stay in public places. Number six, invite accountability. I mean, if you go into the black hole of dating and your friends kind of don't know what's going on in there, that's a bad sign. Don't go into the black hole of dating. Bring friends along with you. You should be, you, yeah, I'm not, again, I'm not saying you only have to double date, but like if you're not, going on some double dates, there's a problem. Like if there's not other people around your relationship that know and love you. All right, and then number seven is breaking up, okay? And again, this is probably not biblical at all, but this is just my pro tips on breaking up, okay? Okay, break up. When you have, when relationship's gonna end and it's time to break up, there should be a measure of love for the other person. Again, brother-sister covenant relationship, right? Brother-sister relationship. And so I want to respect this other person. I want to seek their good in this. Now, I do think couples in the marketplace world can break up too quickly. It's like, oh, man, they had one disappointing date. You know, my trophy is not as shiny as I thought it was going to be. I'm going to just move on. 
because there's more products out there I want to get around to see. Again, that's, that's so marketplace. But I'm not saying that it's never time to break up. I'm just saying you might want to slow that down a little bit. There may actually be some qualities in this person that are great if you just pump the brakes a little bit. But if you're going to break up, you, you just firmly say, okay, I'm, I'm giving you all, this is how you break up. You firmly say, I just don't see this relationship going any further as a dating relationship. I don't see this relationship going any further. And if someone says that to you, okay, I'm going to give you another tip. Nothing good happens after that's said, right? So, so no more conversation is really needed. You don't need this whole like, why or well, let's talk it out. Just if that, once that is said, I don't see this going, this relationship going any further. You know, you just need to respectfully move apart from each other and honor them as your brother and sister. And, and again, for a time, kind of avoid one another. Don't talk, don't text. Let the, let the relationship settle out. Let, let it return to a friendship in time. And if you do that, it will. And you'll, you'll love them as your brother and sister in the Lord. So those are some practical things. Number six, big idea, the nature of marriage. And again, I don't have time to get into all this. I think I'm running out of time. But what is Christian marriage? And I have a definition here. I didn't put on the screen. But Christian marriage is a whole life, lifelong covenant made between one man and one woman meant to be a display of Christ in the church. I'll say that again. And I'll talk about it a little bit. Christian marriage is a whole life, lifelong. They may be like, whole life, lifelong. What does that mean? Christian marriage is a whole life, lifelong covenant. It's the whole of your life for all of your life that you're covenanting with this other person. So it's a spiritual covenant. You know, you're, there's a spiritual connection. There's an emotional connection. There's a financial connection. All your money is the same. There's a sexual connection. There's a relational connection. There's a parenting connection. It is a whole life. You're, you're not holding anything back from one another. And it works. It really works because it's lifelong. You can give your whole life because it's lifelong. You know that they're not going to leave. They're not going anywhere. That's the magic of the piece of paper. You know, a lot of people will say, well, I don't need a piece of paper to say I love you. Love you you kind of do. Anybody that says that has never actually been married. <laughs> There's times in marriage when you're like, I'm kind of frustrated at this person. There's times in marriage where you're like, man, I am kind of sick of this person right now. And it's those times when, like, you realize I've made a covenant with them. And so even though I'm sick of them, and even though I'm frustrated with them, I'm going to figure out how to love them. I'm going to love them. And let me just tell you, your spouse changes in marriage. You know, I, when I got married to Paige, she was this like carefree, amazing, you know, fun gal. And then she got pregnant, okay? And all she wanted to do was like lay on the couch. There was one day, she was so sick. Paige was literally sick all nine months of her, all three pregnancies. Sick, throwing up all day. But I got frustrated. I was a really bad husband. I'm, this is a confession, and I would get frustrated because I was like, what happened to this energetic, awesome girl that I married? And who is this like sick woman, you know, <laughs> that's living in my house? And um, 
I remember I got home from work one day and I was like, you know, today I did this and this. It was one of these days where I just had meeting after meeting. I was putting out fires and I was like so proud of myself. I did this and this and this. And I knew that she had just been sick all day. And I said, what did you do today? Uh, and she said, and she said, I made a life today. <laughs> and I was like, oof, checkmate, you know. But I had to learn. I mean, yeah, I mean, Paige was like, Dream of dreams. I mean, she, you know, but then I had to learn how to love pregnant Paige. <laughs> and that was a challenge. And I failed at first. And I think by the third baby, I got pretty good at it. But, but that's the point of marriage. The piece of paper. It's, 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 look, I'm here. It's lifelong. I'm not going anywhere. We're going to figure out how to make this marriage work. We're going to figure out how to love one another, flaws and all, even when we change, even when something unexpected happens. It's a whole life, life long. It only works if it's life long. Covenant made between one man and one woman meant to display Christ in the church. And then this relationship produces missional companionship, mutual sanctification, and godly children. And I've run out of time, but I just want to say one quick thing on these things. Missional companionship. Your marriage should stir you on it should be a companion that stirs you on toward love and good deeds. It's a missional companionship. Mutual sanctification is similar. Now, most people go into marriage not wanting sanctification, right? We most, mostly go into marriage thinking we are perfect and wanting to find the person that also thinks we're perfect. But the real gift of marriage is you find a person that knows that you're not perfect, and they can show you that you're not perfect, and they can point you to the Lord, and they'll reveal blind spots in your life. And then godly children, what a gift of marriage that God gives to, again, a married couple. Um, all right, number seven, finally, why is this so important? Ephesians 5, 32, the mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. You know, it's interesting. I really believe this. In the beginning of time, you know, when, when, when Paul wrote that, he was, he, he was saying, what is the gospel like? You know, or what is marriage like? Is marriage like a bird and a flower? No. Is marriage like a, you know, wave in the shore? No. Oh, it's, uh, marriage is like Christ in the church. That's not what he's doing, okay? I think what he's saying is there's this profound mystery, the Greek mysterion, it means something hidden that's now been revealed. Something hidden that's now been revealed. Marriage has always been a profound mystery. The nature of it, it's lifelong, it's whole life, it's so powerful. And what he was saying is that from the beginning of time, God created marriage to point people to the clarity of the gospel, to point people to Christ and the church. The, the reason marriage was actually created in the beginning was gospel imagery. That's why this is so important. And that's why, I mean, one of the reasons that I believe America is secularizing, the gospel's losing its potency, is because we've screwed up on marriage. Because we've screwed up on dating, we've screwed up on all this stuff. No, when this is right, the gospel is more clear. When this is wrong, the gospel is more clouded. And that's the, same, the same will be true of your life. You will more rightly see, as you are in healthy dating relationships and healthy marriages, you'll more clearly understand the nature of Christ and his love for you and his pursuit of you. 
And you'll more clearly understand the nature of what it means to be his disciple and to follow him and to love him and to cleave unto him as his follower. Don't you see what's at stake here? Don't you see how stupid it would be to mess this up that has potentially eternal consequences for short-term market gains? (laughs) And when I say market gains, I mean for brief dating pleasures, for a couple trophies here, for a couple times to brag to your buddies there, for a couple of fun make-out sessions there. Don't, Don't you see how stupid it would be to mess this big thing up for things that really ultimately are very, very small. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we get this right. I repent, Lord, of my own failure in, in this in so many ways. I ask, Lord, uh, that we would be good brothers and sisters to one another. For those of us that are married and those of us that are single, that, that, that we would understand that this is a very serious covenant that we've entered into as the people of God. And that we would seek one another's holiness and purity. We would seek good for the other person. Help us in this, Lord. Give us your grace in this. I do pray for these single men and women here. I, pr- I ask and pray, Lord, that you would Give them wisdom and conviction and purity in their pursuit of one another. I pray for those that are in dating relationships now, Lord, that you would guard them and protect them, that Christ would be the center of that, that that the result of that would be holiness and a deeper love for Jesus. I pray, Father, that you would wash us all in the grace of Christ. Give us mercy and help us to even now remember that we have been bought with a price, the redemption that is ours in Christ Jesus. May his blood, may the life that we have in him be precious to us now, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.